Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The second thing that I've been asking is how much of this money is flow through versus invested. Yes. We, we, we've seen it over and over again, in, you know, every couple of decades where a bunch of money flows through black communities flows through black hands, mm-hmm. but somehow it ends up making money for people outside the community. Absolutely. And somehow ends up with, you know, the wealth ending up in hands other than black hands. The assets ended up in communities other than black communities. And, and I, you know, I'll give you a very crude example. I won't call out any names, but I, I know um, late in uh, 2020, early in 2021, there was this big campaign with, you know, with beautiful black people, you know, you know promoting you know, diversity and equity and inclusion, and it was this major effort. And then you peek up behind the scenes, and the ad agency that that did it was white. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, like they, they, they didn't even have, the photographers that shot the pictures. Like they did this whole campaign where on the front of it, it was saying all the right things, but the back end of it, where's the money going? Who, which businesses are getting the business? Who's being invested in in terms of, of black businesses and black communities and right. black entrepreneurs and black professionals? Was just business as usual. They just put a different face on it, 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 a different face on it. Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. That's the part where Art normally says, welcome back, welcome back. But he is not here with us today. So you got me solo, which is all good. You know how we do it. What are we talking about today? Black media. The power of black media from a digital standpoint, from a print standpoint. And in the case of our guest today, from a print and entrepreneurial standpoint, it's long been associated with culture and success for our people. We can go back through our history and see the impact of Black-owned platforms across our lives, all the way back to even, even the role the church played historically for us. Passing the word, communicating, sharing, learning, sometimes in secret, is all a huge part of our history. But the world today is changing, isn't it always though? And social media platforms continue to grow and redirect the way we do what we do. Black media has had to change and adopt and grow with it. But what hasn't changed is the fact that we need our Black-owned outlets to preserve our narrative and amplify our voice. As a matter of fact, that's probably more important today than it has been in quite a while because there is so much work to change that narrative. So much work to quiet our voices. And we need to work on that. We need to understand it. We need to embrace it and build on it and change it and fix it. And and that's what today is all about. This interview is about the intersection of our voice, our future, and our Black-owned media outlets. So with that, I want to bring in our guest today. Today, we are sitting down with an amazing guest, and I know you are going to know his name and definitely know his platform. Today is Mr. Alfred Edmund Jr., Alfred's the senior vice president and editor-at-large of Black Enterprise, and I know you know that name. In addition, he's a radio host, author, entrepreneur, speaker. This brother does all type of stuff, and just like all of our other guests, he gives a damn about black folks, our today and our tomorrow. Alfred, brother, welcome to Wild Black. How are you? I am doing so well. I'll quote the late, great Ossie Davis. He used to always say to me whenever I saw him, when I asked him how he was doing. 
He would say, I'm doing better than I deserve, and I deserve the best. Oh, I love that. I'm going to steal that, too, if you don't mind. So go uh, take no, it. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> brother, uh, brother Davis is going on. We need to carry that legacy forward. Amen. 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 Alfred, brother, was there anything that I did not tell the people? I know you've done a lot, and that intro was short. Share with the folks just a little bit more about yourself. Well, man, you, you could spend a half hour talking about stuff. <laughs> like you said, I, I'm, I am busy. I do a lot of stuff. My mother used to tell me I'm allergic to boredom. Amen. Um, I just celebrated my 35th anniversary of my first day at Black Enterprise. I've been doing that wow. for a long time. Congratulations. Um, and it, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, anybody who follows me on social media, don't follow your dreams, follow my Instagram. You know that I love the Lord, that I'm, that I'm very, you know, open and public about my love for Jesus Christ, which is not the same thing as being religious. I always kind of, as someone who was raised in the church, I'm always kind of, you know, trying to help people to understand, at least with me, right. there's differences between religion and spirituality. But I was raised in the church. I'm a grandson of a minister, um, very, very passionate about my faith. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's more about spirituality and how you treat people than it is about the quote unquote traditions of religion. Um, I am also serious, serious, serious about fitness, not just, you know, for the obvious reasons, you know, um, looking good at, you know, with or without a shirt on um, and those types of things. But for me, it's about extending my earning years. It's a wealth equation. The longer I live, the healthier I am, the more money I can make over time. Ooh, I love and anybody who studies wealth, as we do at Black Enterprise, understands that you're supposed to make the most of your money after the age of 50. And we got a problem in the black community. Mm. Brothers are dying around age 50. Mm. And sisters are living longer, but they're not living well. And as a result, we're, it's another contributor or drag on our ability to accumulate wealth, which, you know, I'll probably talk about some more during this conversation. Absolutely. That's what we're all about, you know, closing this racial wealth gap. So for me, as someone who, who wasn't born in the best economic circumstances growing up, um, uh, so kind of started out economically behind. And then even when I graduated to the middle class, didn't make great financial decisions early on. My thing is the longer I live, um, and I just turned 62, the, the healthier I can be, the more money I can make to kind of make up for some of the challenges that I may have um, experienced early in life and the, and the mistakes I made with money earlier in life. So those are the kind of big things that drive me, um, you know, spiritual health, mental health, financial health. And, and, of course, you know, business and the advancement of the black community because that's what black enterprise is all about. Brother, you said a whole word there. And when you start talking about wealth to me, you are definitely talking about something. My audience knows we've gone over this a bunch of times. I'll highlight it. I have gone through a significant mindset change and I'd say the last 10 years of my life. And I tell everyone it's been the last 10 years, but it was 20 years too late because had I had the knowledge, the access, the information that I have now, man, brother, I would have, whew, I don't, I don't know where I would have been or what I would have been doing, but I sure the hell wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that I have made in my life, but I learned from them. And the most important thing, at least for me, is I have taken those mistakes and I have turned them into lessons that set my children on the path that I wasn't set on. And yeah, that's same here, man, with my children, with my children and, and anyone else who knows me um, and can follow me on social knows that I am very serious about mentoring and mentorship. I got an army of people I've been mentoring since I was in my 20s. Yeah. Um, in fact, if you ever see a hashtag that says my mentees are better than yours or my mentor is better than yours, that's probably that's probably one of my people. I mean, that's how we kind of signal <laughs> one another that we're out there. But but the, the, and the, I have the, seen the, that before. Said is right on point. Yeah, what you said is on point. When I, when I came out and started realizing what I didn't know or things that I hadn't learned until you know my 30s, or in some cases my 40s, I made it my mind. I was like, not only my children who are now themselves, um, but my oldest is in her 30s, actually two of them are in their 30s, but my children, but, but not just my children, people who are in their 20s, I'm, I'm always telling them, listen, here's what you should know that I wish I had known that so you can you don't have to wait until you're in your mid forties to figure it out and have to play catch up like I'm doing. Amen, amen, amen. Alfred, I could not agree more with you about that stance on wealth. But we got to jump into our wild black shit. It's important. It helps to connect you to our guests. Our guests to you gives us some laughs. Gets us going. And I'm actually going to go on the fly. You mentioned growing up in the church and your relationship there. So my first wild black shit question has to be this. What is the most overused and to you the most valuable scripture out the Bible? What's the one you hear us throw around all the time and what's the one you wish we paid more attention to? Oh, wow. 
if there's one that people use too much, I think there's one that people misuse right. um, often, and that 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 you know, um, money is the root of all evil. Mm. I mean, this is both secular people and religious people will, will say that, um, and often, in particularly in the black community, it almost makes us think that that there's something wrong with accumulating with so much wealth. Right. Um, but it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not the not money is the root of all evil. Brother, so you, yes, you did if that. you. If, yeah, well, again, you got to go. I always tell me, read the scripture for yourself. Don't go by what your pastor said or what somebody said. Read it for yourself. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, I, th- I think when people run around, both both the non-religious and religious people say money is the root of all evil. Um, they're not, you know, they're misquoting, and it's often misquoting the scripture um, that really says the love of money is the root of all evil. We should not love money. We should not worship money. But money is a tool. It's a blessing if we use it properly, Amen. and it helps us to do the things that we need, we were brought here on the earth to do. I love it. That's a great ass answer. That's a great answer. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures in collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League. State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, question number two. Bet. What three black movies do you think folks can watch without sound and get every line right? Because you know we love quoting some, some black movies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and put, um, actually, Coming to America. Yep. What is that, Velvet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that boy good. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go um with um I'm gonna go with Black Panther. Mm. I think I think a lot of people, you know, hear lines from, from the Black Panther characters and, and they know that movie. One hundred and I guess and my third pick would be I'm trying to think of a movie I watch over and over and over again. Um, I'm trying not to go back to coming to like another Eddie Murphy movie because Boomerang is in that list too. Boomerang is Boomerang definitely is on that list. list. Bro, yeah. there's so many. But Boomerang wanna, is there. So many movies. Go ahead. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm going to go back, I'll, I'll go back to Shaft, the first Shaft. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baby boomer. And the first Shaft was, you know, he's a bad mother. I mean, that that was a, that was a, 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 let me scratch that. Not Shaft. Scratch that. I love Shaft. Sorry, Richard Roundtree. The Five Heartbeats. My kids would kill me if I didn't put that on the list. Look, that's my movie. That's the movie, boy. That is the movie. Yes. You ain't going to get it because you ain't got it. Yeah. That is my movie. (laughs) Brother, this is why I know we're here. The whole time you were talking, all I'm thinking is my movie. And they've heard me say this so many times. The Five Heartbeats. That is the yeah, best, for me, that's the best movie out there, period. I, I have to put that at number one, certainly among that, in that category of movies, you know, all the lines too. I, I, I used to say that it was my favorite movie of all time, but now I got to categorize because, <laughs> you know, I, Avengers Endgame, I just yeah. can't get enough of it. Yeah, um, that's my go-to Wears when Prada. I'm working. I turn that one on. Both of those are dope. Yeah, and mm. The Devil Wears Prada because I like style and fashion and the whole and that whole culture, what it means to really care about fashion. Uh, so there are certain, I have to put them in categories, you know, so Devil Wears Prada, The Five Heartbeats, and Avengers Endgame, which sounds like a weird mix of movies, <laughs> you might think, yeah. but those are like my go-tos. I got nothing, nothing but, but love for you, baby. baby. <laughs> yes. I'm going to turn that on tonight. All right. <laughs> what do you love most about Life While Black? What I love most about Life While Black is that all we need as evidence that we can make it mm. is to look over our shoulders. Mm. All we got to do is look back on what we've been through, what our parents been through, what our grandparents been through, and we're still 
you know, delivering excellence. We're still delivering and influence culture. We're still innovating. We're still driving the narrative on style and achievement and innovation, despite everything arrayed against us. I mean, like I said, every time I get discouraged, all I got to do is look back yep. and say, you know what? It may be rough, but it ain't too rough. That's right. Um, and, and we're stronger. We're still here. We're stronger. And, our, and it's our job to make our kids stronger than us and their kids stronger than them. And, and if we were going to be stopped, we would have been stopped a long time ago. Yep. So yep. that's yep. what I love about yep. you know, being black. I tell people, I think we have a responsibility, right? We, we, we wear T-shirts and bumper stickers and we put it on social media and we say that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. My perspective is, if that is true, then we owe our ancestors the design, the build, the dedication, the investment in a future, in future generations that they can't even fathom. I don't, we've, I don't want our ancestors to be able to even fathom how powerful, how amazing my children will be, my grandchildren will be, my great-grandchildren will be. I want, I want to design into the black community such power that it's almost unrecognizable to the world. That's what I want to be able to well, do. But, 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 but that's the thing. The, the generations that came before us couldn't fathom us. Right, exactly. I mean, my grandfather, my grandfather died, I think, six months at age 98. Six months before Barack Obama got elected president. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could not fathom having a grandson that, that ran a national magazine. He could not fathom, you know, the things that we really take for granted, even in this, this era where we're still battling through discrimination and racism and, and you know, everything. You know, by, by no means are we where we're, we need to be. Right. You know, we're right. not at the promised land yet. But when I talk to my, my you know, my aunt, and my grandparents before they passed, and we realized that most of what they fought for, they died never knowing if it ever was going to happen. That's right. And, and that's what I said. We got to be willing to put ourselves out there without any guarantees that what we want for our children is ever going to happen because yep. they had no guarantees. And they said, listen, we're just going to roll with it. We're going to do what we got to do because we're not going to give up hope that our dreams can come true. And like you said, we're, we're way beyond their wildest dreams. That's right. And so I'm, right. I'm believing that whatever my kids and my grandchildren do, and my first grandchild was born um, in, in uh, 2020, um, that whatever they do, no, that's, not, that's not right, in 2021, <laughs> that'll kill me. But um, whatever, whatever they're going to do, I know I can't imagine it yet. It doesn't matter whether I can imagine it or not. I just need to do what I can to make it possible. Yeah. Faith is belief in something without the aspect of vision to see it. And, and for me, Absolutely. believing that we can create something today that grows and manifests something tomorrow, even if I'm not here to see it, has to be one of my guiding principles. I have to believe that even if I am not here to see it come to fruition, that it is possible and the work has to be done today. 100% agree with that, my brother. 100. Well, we sow seeds every day that we will never see the fruit of. Amen. We do it all the time. And we need to be cool with that. That's the way it is. It's all good. Sow those seeds anyway. Amen. That's it. That's it. All right, let's jump into the core of this interview. You ready? Sure. All right. First big question. Thinking about the landscape of media today, what is black about media as we sit here today? For me, the most important element of what makes black media black media and I, and I have my opinions about whether some media that may be that may have predominantly black audiences. Right. We gonna talk but, about it. <laughs> yeah, but to me, are not necessarily black. My thing is media that serves the advancement of black people. Yes, is black media. Yes, it's possible to have black managed media that doesn't serve black people. It's possible to have media with predominantly black audiences that. That, that doesn't serve black people. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm not trying to be judgmental about right. what constitutes service. I'm willing to be open about that. But my, the real reason black media exists is to serve the advancement of black people. Yes. Economic advancement, educational advancement, cultural advancement, whatever it is that's going to feed the black community, that, that media is black media. Yeah. And by, usually by definition, it's generally going to be black owned and black managed, even though it being black owned and black managed doesn't necessarily guarantee the service. But but you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, absolutely. You're talking about about black people serving black people. Yeah, I, I am glad that you said that because what I've always thought is there is a distinction, right? 
people love to group black media as any organization that speaks to black people. But speaking to black people doesn't equate to growing, bettering. You could be simply capitalizing off of black people. You could be damaging. You could be injecting negativity into black people. And for me, that, that's just not what it is. It's, 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 it's got to be bigger than that. It's not true the tradition of what black media was created for in the first place. You, you said it earlier. It's to, it's to correct the narrative because we're constantly having to correct the narrative. It's to give us a voice. Um, and it doesn't matter what the platform is. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the church yep. was, a, was a media platform and still is. You know, drums and music is a media platform. Absolutely. It still is. You know, obviously print, you know, words on print is a media platform. Sound is a media platform. This podcast is a media platform. These are all tools, but they're meant to accomplish the same goal if you're black media. And that is the, the advancement and progression and health and strength of black people and black communities. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that that perfectly encapsulates what the role of black media is. I, I, I don't think I've heard it put better than that. And, and I agree. I do want to jump into, because you, you brought it up as well, and I was definitely going there. The idea of black media being assigned to places that don't uplift necessarily, right? And, and I don't want to even put that label, so I'll, I'll back off of that. But places that may not be black owned, may be black managed, right? What, what number, how many, who are the truly black-owned media outlets on a major scale today? Because I know there are a bunch of newspapers and, and smaller magazines, and I wouldn't dare try to list and name everyone. And I also don't want them to feel disrespected because that's not the intention here. But right. I, I want people to be able to hear from someone who is significantly involved in this space. Who are the prominent black-owned media companies out there today? Well, I mean, you, you got Black Enterprise, obviously, which is now the number one black digital media brand yep. um, right now. Um, um, you, you got essence, you gotta, you gotta get essence love. Um, you know, um, Ebony and Jet are trying to make a comeback. Yep. Um, so I wouldn't count them out, but I'm saying you got the major brands that people know, black enterprise, essence.com, Ebony, you got the grill, you know, um, and, and, I'm, and, I, you know, and you got, I count rolling out, even though, you know, right. people, you know, people in the, you know, in the Midwest, are a lot more familiar with rolling right. out. You probably got about seven of the, you know, the big, the big well-known brands. BET is not black-owned, but it's still considered an influential black brand. Right. Um, yeah. So those, you know, those are the main ones right now. There may be two or three others that I'm not. Is, not is Radio One still black-owned? Radio One is still black-owned. Okay. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just not. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to remember their digital platform um, that they had that they acquired. Was it I One? Um, was I won, and they they rolled up some other. Um, oh, they had several small platforms. acquisitions. You're right. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Which was I think smart on their part. Um, so yeah, those are the big ones. But I'm glad you said something about not dismissing the the quote unquote smaller ones. Right. Like the, the, what I call black owned micromedia. Whether you're talking about the smaller digital magazines, whether you talk about um, you know um, web platforms, right. digital digital news platforms, whether you're talking about even just bloggers that have decent followings. Because though traditional media still kind of looks down on that group, when it's done well, they do as good a job or sometimes even a better job of serving black people Absolutely. in one way or another than, than, than the, you know, the traditional media companies who have you know, television studios and radio stations and magazines, if they still exist. I happen to think magazines are more or less, I won't say they're obsolete, but they're, they're not, you know, they don't the drink of media anymore. Right. Um, you know, but we look at the big media brands that we kind of dismiss and turn our nose up against some of the, what I call black owned micromedia and black owned micromedia carried the water when many of us traditional brands are still struggling to transition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think when I love the, the term micromedia, I haven't, I haven't heard it used that way before, but I mean, their role is, is honestly pivotal, right? Because they can fill in the gaps, especially from a local and regional level that the, the larger players really, really can't, right? Because there's so many stories that are happening in every one of our cities, in every one of our towns that need to be told, right? And, and some of those stories hit in a way that allow them to bubble up and be told on a more national level. So I'm in love with, with many smaller Black-owned outlets, and I'm a fan of, of, of a ton of them. Well, I mean, one of the reasons I'm speaking as a journalist, as an editor, as a content creator, 
As you know, I'm, I'm really, I love social media. You know, I know many people in my generation are like, why? And I'm like, I love it because you, you hit the nail on the head. It's not 1960 when you had Ebony and Ebony could pretty much keep track of everything right. that black people were doing in the country. Um, now you have so many black people in so many communities doing so many things in so many industries in so many areas, not only in America, but around the world, that there's no way, it's not, it's not financially possible to build a business model where one black media outlet is going to somehow have like literal bureaus in every city in the world that has black, black people are doing something. And so I pay attention to people on, on social media. I pay attention to certain bloggers because often they're going to discover and break some news on their local micro level, yeah. whether that's micro by geography or micro by industry or micro by culture, that will give me a clue that says, oh man, this is something we need to elevate Absolutely. with our national and international media platform. But I would never have found them or heard of them or, or experienced them if I wasn't paying attention to what I, yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody use it either, but I always call it you know, what I call black-owned micromedia. I love it. Um, we, we need to respect those people. We need to take take, you know, and, and work with those people. And, and I will say that um, our, our VP of digital at Black Enterprise, Justin um, Barton, who's brilliant, by the way, um, he does that. I mean, we have really good relationships with a lot of sites and, and, and media platforms that are a lot smaller than ours, but they, you know, we help them amplify their voice and they help us stay on top of things. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know, one of, one of the things that is, is, hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. I think it's a relatively hot topic. It, it just may be the places that I'm looking. But when you think about the last two years, right, when, when you think about the world we've been in since the pandemic, since George Floyd was murdered, since the Black Lives Matter movement really, really took off and jumped front center stage, especially from a corporate standpoint. You saw the rise of, of DNI specialists in corporate America. You saw companies making pledges. You saw companies having conversations that hadn't been had before. And you began to see two things, money flowing into the black community via media, via business, and a lot of conversation about money flowing. And I'm specific to say that because there are a lot of outlets who talked the talk but never really walked the walk, right? And, and, and so- being in that space, what I wanted to ask you is, across these last two years, for me reading headlines, it feels like it's been a great time to be in black media, right? It feels like, based on the commitments that dollars were flowing, support was coming. But that's just what it feels like, because I'm standing outside here looking in. Has that truly been the case? Have these companies been supporting and building and investing in black media the way they say they have been? I mean, I, I have to say it, it is a great time. This this year from, I'd say, 2021, I think it's holding up into 2022. And I think it'll hold up until at least early 2023. There's no denying that, like you said, more money is flowing to black media and black, I mean, basically black, you know, black venture capitalists, mm-hmm. new funds are being created. You know, there's more, almost more money than there's. In fact, now you have black entities, including black media, <clears throat> scrambling to ramp up capacity after capacity was depressed because of the pandemic, yeah. you know, scrambling to get more people on board, scrambling to get more, um, you know, ad reps, scrambling to build up capacity again after, we, you know, you basically had to shut down to the skeleton crew um, during the pandemic if you, if you were to survive at all. And that's certainly what, what happened with black enterprise. So, yes, now is a good time if you can present you know, a credible platform, right. even if, if, you, if you can deliver the audience that you say you can deliver, um, yeah, it's now is a great time to be in black media. But you already knew a butt was coming. Absolutely. The question becomes two things. 
how long is it going to last? You know, uh, you know, at, at what point do corporations say, okay, this is not so important anymore right. because it's not really part of our DNA and our culture. We're just right. doing this for the time being. So you're going to find out which companies are for real and which ones are just, you know, doing this in a performative way, but they're not really going to stick with it in the long run. And, and keep it, let's make it clear. It's going to, it takes a long-term commitment to this kind of work to make a change. Absolutely. Doing a program for two or three years is not going to make a difference. Absolutely. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I've been asking is how much of this money is flow through versus invest in. Yes. We, we, I've, we've seen it over and over again, and, you know, every couple of decades where a bunch of money flows through black communities, flows through black hands, mm-hmm. but somehow ends up making money for people outside the community. Absolutely. And somehow ends up with, you know, the wealth ending up in hands other than black hands. The assets ended up in communities other than black communities. And, and I, you know, I'll give you a very crude example. I won't call out any names, but uh, I know um, late in uh, 2020, early in 2021, there was this big campaign with, you know, beautiful black people, you know, you know, promoting, you know, diversity and equity and inclusion. And it was this major effort. And then you peek up behind the scenes and the ad agency that, that did it was white. The photographer that shot the pictures, like they did this whole campaign where on the front of it, it was saying all the right things, but the back end of it, Where's the money going? Who, which businesses are getting the business? Who's being invested in in terms of, of black businesses and black communities and right. black entrepreneurs and black professionals was just business as usual. They just put a different face on it. Yep, the and so I think you got a lot face. of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's exactly. And so to me, I'm asking, where's the money going? How many black-owned businesses are getting uh, are being used to, to put these programs out? How much black media are you using? How much money are you spending with black media? Um, those questions have to be answered if this is going to make a difference beyond the next two to five years. Yeah, yeah. Extension from that question and going back to where we started about Black-owned versus Black-managed versus Black-investing versus Black-capitalizing, did the companies that were Black-focused, whether positive or negative, whether capitalizing or investing in, did they see a rise in increase? Did they see their budgets go up or were companies smart enough to truly divert those funds into black owned media? Uh, I don't I think it's the former. I think mm. you gotta look at companies. Companies are saying we are trying to reach and serve black audiences. And so there's there they don't have a lot many platforms once you get past black enterprise yeah. um and some of the others that I've named. Then you, you again, we we got capacity, but we don't have you're going to have to go through some other ways to reach black people right. as well as black people as well. Right. So, so you know, I, I don't necessarily fault them for that. Um, but what I do say is that once you get past trying to go to sheer numbers, then you got to go to the trust factor. Yeah. And the truth is, who do you trust more, black enterprise or a non-black owned audience um, at, um, outlet that may reach a lot of black people, mm-hmm. but black people don't relate to that outlet the way they relate to a black enterprise yeah. or, or essence yeah. um, or, or even an ebony or a jet. So, so my thing is, and this has always been the case, uh, you know, yes, if we go back to the days of newspapers or, or I, I'll do better. Uh, I'll come a little bit forward and talk about magazine brands. <laughs> do black people read Forbes? Yeah. Whether it's Forbes.com or, or, you know, or whether it was the old magazine. Um, yes. Do black people trust Forbes the way they trust black enterprise and black enterprise.com? Exactly. Exactly. We can't. We can't. Because if a black business fails, that's just news to Forbes if, it, if they report on it at all. But they don't, there's no skin off their nose. Right. For us as black enterprise, if a black business fails, if a high-ranking black executive's career gets cut short, then that's, that's a loss to us beyond, oh, this is an interesting business story. And so we're more invested because it's us. Yeah. We, we, we are investing in what we're doing and in, in our, in our collective advancement in a way that for another outlet that may you know, reach a lot of black people, they're just not as invested. They can't be. They're not going to lose anything. Yeah. If, if uh, when, 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 when uh, Ebony shut down, that didn't hurt anybody in the white community. Right. It only hurt us. Right. So for us, it, it, you know, it's about the trust and the connection as black-owned, black-managed media, not just, oh, how many you know, black people do I reach with my platform? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to double back to a couple of things you said a little bit later, but I want to jump into, Mm -hmm. you mentioned social media, right? And 
For me, when I think about social media, I also think about content creation. So I want to talk about those two for a moment. One, as we think about how significant social media has become in most of our lives for hours a day, how then do our great black media platforms and media outlets, how do they stay hyper-relevant when the democratization of news reporting, of gossip, of information has been, has been really pushed out because of social media platforms? How does black enterprise make sure that they stay relevant, they stay front and center? How does Radio One, how, how does all the, the black-owned platforms, how do they do that? Well, uh, you know, I can speak for black enterprise because obviously I've been there. And, and <laughs> we, didn't look at, we didn't look at social media as other. Mm. We looked at it as an extension of what we do. Yes. Um, and and, the, and the, the head of our social media manages our social media actually is the granddaughter of the founder of Black Enterprise. Wow. Uh, you know, the multi-generational uh, impact of our culture. Absolutely. Um, um, and so... It's the Graves so, family, right? Yes. Absolutely. Kristen Graves, my colleague, Kristen Graves, um, who is the, the, the grandson, granddaughter of uh, Earl. Earl Graves, one of eight grandchildren, um, Earl Graves Sr., excuse me. Um, and and uh, so... Back in the early 2000s, um, this is when I was still editor-in-chief of Black Enterprise Magazine, which I ran for 13 years. Um, me and the editor of Business Week were one of the first two you know, traditional magazine editors to decide we want to be represented as editors on social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was back way back in MySpace. And, and the industry looked at what we were doing. We were like, why are they doing this? This is not serious. This is a trend. This is something, you know, for kids and for techies. And, 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 and what we recognize, I'll speak for myself, is that this is just another way to serve our audience. This is another way to reach people, connect with people, share information with people. So I never, and I'm not saying that everyone at Black Enterprise felt the same way at the time back in those days, but I was like, this is just another way for us to support Black entrepreneurs, find Black entrepreneurs, find the stories that we need to tell, reach people, connect with people, influence people. And as a result, um, and, and I give credit to our CEO, Earl Bush Graves Jr., who currently runs the company. Um, we got a big head start on creating a large social media footprint before we knew we needed it. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously MySpace is no longer relevant, but on Facebook, now on LinkedIn, on Instagram, you know, God knows what we're doing that I don't know about what we're doing. But we found out early on, um, you know, in, as we moved into the, the, the later 2000s, it was a key for example, for retaining advertising clients mm. who needed media outlets that knew how to represent their brands on social media. Right. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember the, the tweet chats back in the day. When I do. Called it tweet chat. I do. And I, I hosted one of the first tweet chats for Walmart from the Black Enterprise platform when we were doing our 2020 vision series with them in cities across the country. And when they realized that we reached more people with their brand on Twitter than we could possibly have packed into a conference room at the event in Chicago that I did it from, the light bulb went on for them. And they were like, oh, whatever we do with you now on, we want a social media component. So I think the smart media brands, and, and if you're still standing, you're smart. <laughs> and if you didn't make it, you're not that <laughs> smart. Um, eventually said, no, this is not uh, going to make it harder for us to do what we do. It's going to make it easier for us to do things that we couldn't do before. I mean, Darius, I mean, you're, you're young. When I first got hired at Black Enterprise, I was the editor of a news section. Mm. And that we, now, at the time, we didn't think anything of it. But now we look back on it and say, how can you be a monthly magazine and have an actual news <laughs> section where the news is not too old by the time it comes out? But that was accepted back in those yeah. days. Magazines had news sections even if they came out every other month or once a month, even though the news had to be outdated by the time the magazine published. So what, what social media and digital media did, when we, we established blackenterprise.com in the mid-90s, and then started getting serious about our social media activity in the 2000s was the breaking news that you cannot possibly break in a magazine, no yeah. matter how fast you do it. Yeah. Now you have a way to do it. So it made us, it wasn't easy. I don't make it sound like we made these transitions in an easy, painless way. But what smart media outlets began to realize, and the black ones especially, was that, no, what you need to harness this because now you get real news in real time. And yeah, you're competing against bloggers and 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 uh and and, and you know, like you said, gossip platforms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But one, some of your best writers and reporters are gonna come from those groups, um, because they're used to turning out quick, fast, and in a hurry um news and information. But also the trust factor comes in. Yeah. 
who are you going to trust more? You ask your average gossip blogger on a, on a business story, or are you going to trust uh, a, a, you know, a post from blackenterprise.com? Yeah. So if you're doing your job right, eventually people will say, yes, um, yeah, I'm willing to, to follow that particular you know, gossip site, but I got to go to blackenterprise.com because I know yeah. that's going to give me the credible, trusted news that I need. You know, you've mentioned several times now the idea of the black entrepreneur. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that on two Black-owned channels, I don't think that we can have a conversation about Black enterprise and ignore the enterprise aspect of things, right? Enterprise, a project or undertaking, typically one that's difficult, right? Or known as a business. We can't avoid that. And, And so you all do so much work in that space, closing the wealth gap, educating people about business. What I'd love for you to do right now is for the people who only recognize Black Enterprise as a magazine or as a website, let's talk more holistically about the business of Black Enterprise and how you support the enterprise in the Black community. Well, 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 first, uh, I need to say this up front, and I'm speaking as someone who ran the magazine for 13 years, but Black Enterprise hasn't been a magazine for close to a decade. Right. You know, um, and I know it's hard, especially for people who are, I would say, um, generation X and older, because the magazine is so iconic. The covers are iconic. People remember the Reginald F. Lewis cover. They remember Mm -hmm. the Will Smith cover. There's iconic covers that are still a big part of the cultural lexicon of black enterprise, but we would be out of business if we stuck with this idea that we are a magazine. Right. Um, and so people say, why don't I see it? That's because it's not there. <laughs> it's not a magazine. <laughs> um, you know, we are, like I said, not the number one digital brand. I think in January we had 12 million, close to 13 million monthly uniques, the number one black digital media brand. And we are the leader in putting together um, um, a national networking events for black business professional people. And because of the pandemic now, sponsored virtual events, um, town halls, as well as monthly conferences, sometimes two a month. Um, and that's what we do. Right. Um, we've always had an event business since the mid-90s, but when, in, since in the early 90s, the event business was the side dish of the magazine. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Um, but now, again, I think we're still in business today because the, the events platform and the digital platform are our main platforms. Um, and we also had um, traditional television that's now morphed into online video. Um, that's what we are today. We are a, a which the mission hasn't changed. We are still about helping black people build wealth, teaching them what they need to know, spotlighting our successes as entrepreneurs, as executives, as investors, as professionals, and ultimately as wealth builders. That has been the same since 1970. But the business is a digital live and virtual events, digital content and a live virtual events business. That's what we do. That's who we are. And why do we do it that way? Because that's where the money is. That's right. That's where companies are spending their money. Um, you know, we, we, just like every other um, magazine in the magazine business, in the, in the beginning in the early 2000s, spending on print publications began to decline as digital options emerged. And, you know, when, when people asked me about the magazine, I was like, you know, people still make great music, but they just put it on vinyl records anymore. Right. They don't put it on CDs anymore. Um, the means of distribution has changed. And in order for us to stay in business and stay relevant, then we had to change or you were going to die. You were yeah. going to go. Yeah. And, and, and I want to say something about this idea of an enterprise. It's not just about doing something difficult. That's not what makes it an enterprise. And I emphasize a lot to the entrepreneurs that I, that I mentor. It's doing something difficult that makes money. <laughs> Great. It's about delivering a profit. <laughs> the, so, you know, yeah, you, we, 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 you know, we, got, we can do difficult things all day long. Great Many of us do, <laughs> but we're not making money. So, again, the point of Black Enterprise is that you're going to learn either because of the information the experts we expose you to, 
whether it's on the website, whether it's uh, at, at a national networking event like Women of Power, whether it's because of one of our, our, our streaming video series like Beyond the Hype, which I host for Black Enterprise, you're going to learn to do things that are profitable for you. You're going to be profitable in your career because you're going to make more money in advance. Um, you're going to be profitable in your business because you're going to grow your business and grow the profits of your business. And, 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 uh, and you're going to be you know, profitable as a wealth builder because you're going to learn how and why you should invest in what you invest in. We are about growing black wealth. And you can't do that just by doing difficult things. Our parents, our grandparents been doing difficult things. That's right. Uh, but, you know, so, so I, I just emphasize that. I think sometimes we, uh, and I'm not saying this is you, because I know it's not you, but there's still an element of the black, black culture that feels uncomfortable about unabashedly saying, I'm here to make some money. Amen. I'm here to get rich. And there's nothing wrong with that because if you make money, the more money you make, the more we can help other people, That's the right. more we can address the challenges of the black communities, the more we can fund our institutions without being overly reliant on those outside of our community. Not that we shouldn't get resources from outside communities, our communities, because our institutions serve them too. But we know that part of closing the black wealth gap or the racial wealth gap is us getting enough resources in our own communities to help strengthen our communities and, 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 and close some of the other disparities, whether it's healthcare, um, education, the digital divide or whatever. It all goes back to, as our CEO Butch Graves says all the time, everything can be traced back to the black wealth gap. Mm-hmm. And that means we need more rich black people and, more, and wealthier black communities. And that's what we're ded- dedicated to. Yep, you, you said it best earlier. Money is a tool. And money helps us finish the job, build the job, complete the job. So having that money as a byproduct of what it is that you do is needed. You don't help. Not in this world, not in this capitalistic society. You, you better have some money besides you. Yeah, and, and, and nothing gets you contributions and support from outside the community like having your own. But, but That's right. Billy Holiday, God bless the child. That's God's own. That's right. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you, get, you get all kinds of partnership when people see you already got your own. That's right. Um, you know, and so, so when we're talking about engaging outside our community, there's, 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 there's only an upside to being successful you know, on our own, not because we're going to exclude others, but we're better able to engage on equal footing with others. And yeah. I think when you look at examples and, 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 and what I said about being uncomfortable without, about making money in the black community, I think that's fading away. When I look at millennials and younger, they are not nearly as, I mean, it's probably your generation as, you know, you, cause you got role models like Rihanna, who they're talking about a possible $3 billion IPO. For, for Fenty, I mean, I'm excited about you, you, that. You gotta, too. <laughs> yeah, and I'm excited about it only because now we're having the conversation. That's I used right. to say when I was raising my kids, we got to get to the point where we can say millions and billions without stuttering. That's in right, the black community. That's right. And now we are there. We we, we haven't got to the point where we're actually making it in large numbers yet. But now we got Rihanna, we got Jay Z, you got Robert F. Smith, you got. Of course, we've had Oprah for a while. We've had Bob Johnson for a while. We're now starting to get to the point where we have a generation. Of, of black people, and I would say younger black people, right. I would say under the age of 40, who now looks and says, yeah, I can say billion without stuttering. That's, Absolutely. Um, one, one, one of my, my youngest mentee, which is another reason I come to Chicago a lot, is a young lady named um, Dorothy Jean Tillman. She's known as Dorothy Genius. She's at the age of 15 working on her doctorate in behavioral <laughs> health sciences at Arizona State University. I, we discovered, I discovered her because Black Enterprise did a story on her when she earned her master's degree at age 14. Um, she is on her mindset is that she wants to build a billion dollar company. That's her mindset. That's been her mindset since she was 10 years old. Not as kind of a pie in the sky, you can be whatever you want to be, but uh, no, she, she already has a company. She has a, 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 a team leadership institute that she started in Chicago where she teaches other um, teens how to be um, basically camp counselors and teachers to younger kids to learn about STEAM and STEM education. I love that. At age 15. But I'm saying, we, I'm seeing that more and more and more young people coming out of the gate, you know, at 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, in their 20s saying, yes, this is my goal is to build a significant business. And I think that bodes well for us going forward. And that's what Black Enterprise is all about. Absolutely. Side note, we're, we're building a, a small series that's highlighting amazing young adults in our community doing amazing things. If there's a way, I'd love to, to chat with her if, if there's a way possible for that to happen. 
But we can talk about that later. Oh, I'll definitely, <laughs> I'll definitely help you, man. And and, and, and again, I know, you know again, I'm big into mentorship. So I know a lot of people. <laughs> I love uh, it. But but yeah, but you, Darcy, Darcy, yeah, but you Google her. She she's she's like Black Enterprises covered her. She's been on the Kelly Clarkson show. Uh, people Magazine did something on her. She is the real deal. I she love no that. Joke. Love that, love that. I want to get I want to get tactical for a second, right? Now we're, we're mm-hmm. in the lane where we're talking about people trying to change their lives, trying to change their their legacies, trying to reduce that that gap, that wealth gap, trying to create real legacy wealth, familiar dollars in their families. How does Black Enterprise help them with access, information, funding, management, growth? Like, what's the role that Black Enterprise plays there, and how do they tap into it? Black Enterprise has always been kind of the master connector, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting with our founder and publisher, Earl Graves, who was the master networker. He was the master of bringing people together so they can get business done. Um, he knew everybody. Everybody knew him. He commanded that respect. And that has been built into the culture of what was then the magazine is now the company. There's a reason why most of our biggest events are national networking events. Um, our Women of Power Summit brings together the highest ranking women of color in corporate America, period. And they come together and they get things done. Um, both official things that we know about and who knows what they're working on behind the scenes. So that's what we do. Our job is to identify people, raise the spotlight on them so that other people can find them, know who the black experts are, who are the black venture capitalists, who are the, who are the black people in tech, who are the black people in STEM, uh, who are the, who's the who's who in black America mm-hmm. How can we elevate them so they can find each other? And, and, and that's what I mean about this connector thing. Yeah, we give news information. We do that too. But the real thing we do is we help black people find each other so they can get things done and also find resources outside the black community and help um, those outside the black community find them. And here's what I mean in that later example. When we profile our black-owned business as being successful and being great at what they do, that's not only important for black people to see, it's also important for major corporations to see and say, we're not telling the truth when we say we can't find qualified black companies to do this work. Mm-hmm. So we, we elevate. It's not true when you say you can't find black people to serve on your boards because black enterprise does a list of, of, of black board, you know, board ready executives every year. We show the companies that have black people on boards. We show the ones that don't. So, so our big, really core job whether we're doing it at a live event, whether we're doing it at a virtual event, whether we're doing it because of an activation on our website, whether we're doing it as a social media campaign, is to identify who's who so you can connect with them. When you want to know who to connect with to get something done, you go to Black Enterprise. When you, when you want to check whether somebody's credible to you, you ask, does mm-hmm. Black Enterprise know them? Have they spoken at a Black Enterprise event? Has they been featured on Beyond the Hype or The New Normal or Sisters Inc. or one of the other uh, streaming um, video series that we do? Because they know that if Black Enterprise is talking to them, we need to know who they are. Absolutely. And, that, and, and this goes back to, uh, I'm, I'm, I've been around at Black Enterprise long enough that I've been on the first team that put together the very first list of top Blacks in corporate America. And that was in 1988. To tell you how long ago that was, the youngest executive on that list was Ken Chenault, wow. um, the now retired <laughs> chairman and CEO of American Express. <laughs> and we brought them together to New York all 25 of them. Right. And the biggest thing that was, that was said over and over again was like, I didn't know that I wasn't the only one. They all thought they were the only one <sighs> because they were scattered around the country in different industries where they were the only black or the first black or the only black. And they had no idea. Most of them, uh, I would say 70% of them did not know that the others even existed, much less met them. Wow. And that, 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 that was my first year at BE. Oh my God. And I've seen it over and over and over and over again. And so when I talk about really what black makes black enterprise unique, it's that it's, you know, you're some, you're in, in Atlanta, you're trying to build this thing. And the person that has the piece of information or resource or intelligence that you need is in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. And each of you are thinking, I'm the only one, I'm the only one. Well, what black enterprise has done over and over and over again now for more than 50 years, is to tell you, one, you're not the only one, and that piece of information, that piece of the puzzle, that resource that you need, if we can elevate your profile enough, either you can find them and they can find you, and all we want to do is get the big story about <laughs> how much money you made when you did it or how big a business you launched or, mm. or what great job you got because of it. So our goal is to help you make the news and then cover the news 
And then when you recover the news, then we inspire somebody else who's like, oh, that brother Darius, he's my proof that it can be done. Amen. Let me get serious about this. Amen. I love that. And there is, it's just so powerful what you just said. Like that moment when you brought all those black leaders together. I, I still can remember, I went to the ELC gala in DC. This had to be like 2014 or 15. And mm-hmm. I'm 46 years old today. I've been in corporate America for over 20 years. And I can still count on one hand the number of times I've been in a room with just black folks at a certain level and above, right? Just to sit and to feel what that feels like. That, that, that statement about I'm not the only one, like we still feel that far too often, like even today, right? I can think through my career and when I'm, my first management role was at a company called Ameristeel. This was back in 2001. And I was the first black that had ever been in management. And I remember how proud and how ashamed I was all at the same time. So the fact that you all pull folks together and are still doing it now, giving people an opportunity to be black out loud in a space that is also corporate and professional and investing and inspirational. Like if, for my listeners, if you have not had a moment to feel what that feels like, find your way to any of these black enterprise events because that is a feeling that will change your perspective. And I'm not exaggerating I'm not joking. It is something that you feel. It is something that you carry with you. It is something that changes the way you think about who you are and who you can become. Sorry, I had to preach for a minute because it was that was no, such no, a powerful no, thing. You're talking about the you're talking about the single biggest reason why a thousand, you know, coming out of the pandemic, a thousand, usually as close to the fifteen hundred, two thousand women come back to women of power every mm-hmm. year. When Black Men Excel happens this year, which you know, which is for black men, why those brothers come back every year. It's not the only conference they could go to, but it's the only conference they can feel that way. That's right. That Oof. you just described. And 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 you and you said something earlier that reminds me of something I say all the time. First of all, when you're a first black, the the pride should be yours, but the shame should be your organization. <laughs> Absolutely. Shame is not yours. If it's 2022 and you're like, we just hired our first black. <laughs> right. And you're looking for the NAACP to give you an image award. No, you should be asking yourself, what took us so long? Right. And, 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 you know, because you're, the, the longer, the later we get into history, the, the worse first black looks to an organization, in my opinion. So it certainly should be you know, recognized and celebrated as an achievement for the person that got the position. Absolutely. But here's the other thing I say all the time, and this is not gonna, your show is not going to be the first time I've said this. First black is not an achievement, it's an assignment. Amen. It, it only means something if people can look back and say, now there's a thousand people black doing this, but the very first one was Darius. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? And a breakfast cutoff. Ba da ba ba ba. That's historic. Mm. If it's Darius did it back in 2020, but there hasn't been one since, that's a footnote. And mm. I'm a, I'm real picky about that because obviously, first black is an easy it's an easy headline mm. for all media outlets. Black Enterprise does first black stories. All media outlets do first black stories. And and obviously, in the current DEI environment. There's, there's even more of an incentive to tell that story. And I'm saying those stories need to be told, but it's not historic mm. if that doesn't lead to other people saying, I can do this, and other companies saying, yes, I can do this. This makes sense. We need to do this. Why hasn't it happened to be before? Why, why is this even a thing in 2022? Um, and, and that just tells us at Black Enterprise that we got more work to do because you, you're right. When you can look at a particular industry and pretty much, we can. You and I can sit down right now and name all the black billionaires. Absolutely, off the top of our head. Absolutely, um, we can name all the black coaches Absolutely. in the NFL off the top of our head, and that's a sign of how much work we still have to do and why black Absolutely. enterprise is still relevant and critical today. Because you ask our peers, there's no way they can name all. They just can't. No, it wouldn't even dawn on them to say. You know, they don't even think in those terms. The, 
Yeah, they don't think of those terms. Name all the Fortune 500 CEOs. They'd be like, there's 500 of them. How am I going to tell? Right. We said name all the black ones. They'd be like, oh, I can tell you all the black ones past and present. Right. <laughs> you know, so that, that shows we still got work to do, man. We still got work awesome. to do. Awesome. All right, Alfred, we, we are nearing the end of the interview. This has been amazing. I want to ask you one last question. Ready? Yes. This is something that I've thought about this in terms of my own career my own entrepreneurial activities for, for years now. And, and, and it's this. The statement is, what is it that I need to know, but I don't know that I need to know it? And how do I learn it? What is it that I don't know I need to know, and how do I learn it? When you apply that statement to the black community, what is it that we don't know we need to know and how do we go learn it? Oh, man. That's, ooh, that's deep. <laughs> I would say this. I think we need to truly know our worth, the worth of our lives, and fight to defend it. Mm. And I don't mean fight to defend it just against, you know, racist intruders and outsiders. I mean fight to defend it from within our own spirits. You know, and again, I'm circling back to why I'm so passionate about mental wellness and physical health, and what we put into our bodies, and what we, you know, and, that, and what we, how we live. We look at the health challenges in the black community. Yeah, we didn't, we, we didn't invite that on ourselves. There's a history that we've come through that, that created these conditions, but we still have the power, if we truly value our lives, to fight to live. And, 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 and you know, without being too esoteric about it, I mean, simple things like, what do we eat? Yeah. Why do we eat it? Why, why aren't we exercising and, and fit? Why aren't we teaching, you know, what are we doing those things that says that we really do value black lives? You know, because it, it starts with how we think and feel about ourselves. It's why mental wellness and mental health is so important. When you look at, you know, violence, whether, you know, in, in black communities, when it's, you know, you know, we look at whether it's gun violence or whatever, and we say, well, why are we doing this? It goes back to us not getting the mental and spiritual health wellness that we need to make better choices for ourselves and our communities and those around us. And I'm so happy that mental wellness is now a conversation in the black community yes. that we can talk about it as conferences and bloggers and platforms and Taraji P. Henson and Simone Biles and, and, and you know, athletes and trainers are now, it's not a, a taboo subject anymore because black people need that healing, but we won't get that healing if we won't seriously look at understanding we need to be made whole not necessarily from the forces from the outside, but from the inside. We need to see our own value, not based on what we can wear, what kind of kicks we got on, what kind of car we're driving, but our intrinsic value as living, existing beings. And I think if we get that right, we will make better choices financially. We will make better choices economically. We will make better choices health-wise. I spent most of my time um, in, in my mindset and I, I say this all the time. I didn't really fully become a grown man until I was in my late 40s in terms of understanding what it meant to make healthy choices for myself. You know. and, and I think that, but you shouldn't have to wait until your late 40s before you start figuring that out. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just think when we talk about the health and wellness of black people, we really got to get into the core of who we are in terms of our emotional health, our mental health, how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about each other. And, 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 and really get serious about healing so that we can do the work that we need to do outside of ourselves to improve our condition. And that includes starting successful businesses and building wealth. Uh, and none of that matters if, we, if we, we're struggling with our own, our own you know, inner, inner, inner existential uh, you know, experience. Absolutely. Brother, that was, that was powerful. Uh, that was powerful. Listen, th the only thing that, that we have left to do is close out. I would love it if you take just a few moments and share whatever is on your heart and mind with the Wild Black audience. The only thing I ask is that you share with them how they can interface with either you or Black Enterprise, how they can be tactical, how they can go and start making that difference in their world. Listen, the one thing I want our audience to understand is that we're not going to get it all done in one generation. We didn't get here in one generation, and we're not going to get out of this whatever this is in one generation. We should draw hope from what our ancestors have been through. We should draw hope 
through what we've been through. Mm -hmm. Again, as a man of faith, all I got to do is look at what God has already brought me through to know that I can get through the next thing. So, you know, a lot of times I think we get discouraged as a community. We see the negativity around us. We've been victims of the negativity. We experience things like what happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And, and, and all of that is legit. But none of that should allow us to lose hope and, and faith in ourselves, in our God, in our ancestors. We have what it takes to move forward despite. I mean, that is so important that we don't get discouraged no matter what is going on around us and no matter who comes against us. Um, and I, I, I got to thank you, Darius, for even having me on to have this conversation with you. Um, it was worth every <laughs> every um, hurdle we had to get over to get to it. Um, people want to um, stay in touch with me. Just follow Alfred Edmund Jr., A-L-F-R-E-D-E-D-M-O-N-D-J-R, Instagram, Twitter. I'm the same on all platforms. Um, and I welcome your engagement. It's me managing the platform. So if you reach out to me, I'm going to respond. Um, and you also want to definitely follow Black Enterprise, again, on all of those platforms, um, blackenterprise.com, obviously the website, but we're very active and, and large audiences on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. And we have separate platforms even for our events. There's a Women of Power group, there's an Entrepreneur Summit group, there's a Black Men Excel community. Um, there's a lot of ways to engage with Black Enterprise and stay on top of what we're doing. But you definitely want to go to blackenterprise.com. Alfred, brother, this has been amazing, amazing. This was a great conversation. I appreciate you. Um, to, my, to my audience, Wild Black audience, I want to tell you something very, very quickly. We talked about black media. We talked about the impact and the position of, of black enterprise. And, and I hope you got this message. But what we were really talking about today was how to invest in yourself, your family, your community, how to change your position, our position from today to where it needs to be tomorrow and how to control this all-important narrative that surrounds us. I want you to take a moment, go back, find the clips, listen to the points that Alfred gave you today because he gave you some golden things, some golden nuggets, some ways to change the situation that you may want to change in front of you right now. You have got to start someplace. You've got to take another step. You've got to dig a little deeper. You've got to get some more information. You've got to connect. You've got to build. You've got to remember that you cannot do this on your own. It wasn't meant for you to succeed that way. And success isn't that sweet that way because when you get there, if you are by yourself, then who do you celebrate with if nothing else? So I'll shut up. But with that, Wild Black, I hope you enjoyed this one. Peace, family. We out. We love you. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.